Welcome to the book club that sure is not your mom's romance book club, but it is my mom's. I'm Ellen, and joining me as always is my mom. Hi, mom. How's it going? Hello, Ellen. As always, it's going well. Good. Um, so today we're going to be talking about The Trouble with Mistletoe by Jill Chavez and that little incident with Hillary Clinton this week. But first, mom, what have you been reading? Well... First of all, I've been pretty busy this week doing other things, so I didn't get as much reading done as I wanted. I did finish the Winston Brother book. Did I finish, had I finished it last time? I can't remember. I was listening to Bo's book. The nice thing about Bo's book is that only about four of the chapters are told from her perspective, and the rest of it is all Bo. So it was all my favorite voice. And um, then I read a novella from the Maiden Lane series oh, uh-huh. trying to get myself back in the maiden lane groove because i was going to read that ending book but then i kind of ran out of time so i just read this book okay um i also have uh, been doing other things and not reading i have only read um marry me at christmas by susan mallory and uh i did that because they made a hallmark movie of it so I needed to, you know, read the book and then watch the movie. And then other than that, I've just been watching a lot of Hallmark movies. A lot. Like a sickening amount. The thing is, is I have a job where I work from home and I can have things on while I'm working. And so I just, they're perfect. Hallmark movies are perfect to put on when like you don't really need to pay attention. But it's like, oh, there's pleasantness going on around me. <laughs> And it's creating a happy environment. Um, well, so, I think I ingrained in you that whole, you have to read the book before you see the movie thing. Because when you were a yeah, kid, I wouldn't take you to see a movie until you'd read the book already. So yeah. I couldn't. I remember my ninth birthday. We went and saw Matilda. And I was so excited because I had read the book. See? You did good, Mom. You done did good. You must have had a really good mom. Uh, she was okay. <laughs> She's kind of full of herself, if you ask me. That's true. <laughs> Okay, so today we're going to be talking about The Trouble with Mistletoe by Jill Chavez. It's the second book in her Heartbreaker Bay series, which consists of actually quite a few Christmas stories. This is like one of four Christmas stories. Um, So the back cover description for this one reads, Willa Davis is wrangling puppies when Keen Winters stalks into her pet shop with frustration in his chocolate brown eyes and a pink bedazzled cat carrier in his hand. He needs a kitty sitter, stat. The last thing Willa needs is to rescue a guy who doesn't even remember her. Um, Settled with his great aunt's feline from hell, Keen is desperate to leave her in someone else's capable hands. But in spite of the fact that he's sure he's never seen the drop-dead gorgeous pet shop owner before, she seems to be mad at him. Willa can't deny that Keen's changed since high school. He's less arrogant for one thing. But can she trust him not to break her heart again? It's time to throw a coin in the fountain, make a Christmas wish, and let the mistletoe do its work. So, Mom, where do you land with Trouble with Mistletoe? Well, I enjoyed the book. I liked the story. It was fine. Um, They both kind of pissed me off while I was reading the book, but she really pissed me off while I was reading the book. And I was... Like texting Ellen, this chick is bugging me, and um, I would I got really frustrated. First of all, um, I thought the whole high school thing was a missed opportunity because that really was resolved within 
you know, the first few chapters. Yeah. And it was not even an issue, even though it's a big deal on the back cover. Well, on one hand, I like that they, like, kind of took care of it pretty quickly because it is kind of a non-issue, right? I mean, at the end of the day. And, you know, I liked that once, you know, he explained what had happened, you know, he was appropriately apologetic and sweet about it. And then they moved past it. But um, I love, like, the trope of old crush or, you know, something like that. Uh, and so I kind of, yeah, I, I, li- I would have liked if there was more to that. But um, I, I think if she had dragged that particular storyline out, I would have been frustrated. Well, right. So my frustration lied in the fact that Here's a girl who literally multiple times a day throws a coin in a fountain wishing for true love. I mean, she says that, you know, point blank right off the bat at the beginning of the story. Then this gorgeous hot guy comes into her life and she can't bring herself to fall in love with him or to who admit she's that previously she's... been in love with. Yeah. And it's like, girlfriend, you need to get over your issues and just accept this already because it kind of... I don't know. I got super frustrated with her. I don't know if I can commit and I don't know, you know, and I don't know. Cause he was, well, and that's another trope I like is when the guy falls before the girl and he was pro- pretty much on board before she was. Yeah. I mean, he had, he had a couple hiccups where I was like, dude, I thought we like covered this. Like, <laughs> come on. Um, but yeah, I think the problem was that she yo-yoed so much like she would be like okay I think I'm gonna do this and then she'd be like oh no I'm not and then she'd be like okay I think I'm gonna do this and then no I'm not like I think maybe I would have preferred it if she like took like steps as opposed to like yo-yoing because it was just constant the end of it where and you know spoilers I'm gonna spoil yeah everything but the end of it when she gets all mad at him because he you know someone else took the cat and he was gonna sell his house and it's like you have no right to get mad at him for that. Yeah. I mean, if that's a deal breaker for you, you've got other issues going on here. Well, and for a second, I was kind of pissed at her for, um, like, being angry that he sold the house. Because it's like, A, that's his job. B, it's his. So he can do what he wants with it. And it, for a second, I was like, so are you, like, only going to be into him if he has this, like, sweet house? Um, so that kind of bugged me, but then, like, she kind of explained a little bit more about why it, like, upset her, and it wasn't really that that specifically upset her, it was just, like, I don't know. Um, anyway, so, like, that did bug me at first, I was like, because that's how I interpreted it, was she was mad because it's like, no, I want to live in this sweet house, and you're selling it, you know, but. <laughs> well, and, yeah, she did explain that it was more like he his life was so temporary. Everything was so temporary. And and that was just another version of him being temporary, but she's worse than he was. And, you know, plus it's his house and he can sell it if he wants and he doesn't have to. And you really haven't committed to anything in his life at all. So you should have no say whatsoever (laughs) in what he does. Yeah. So the whole thing was just kind of irritating to me, but that being said, all those things irritated me too, but I still enjoyed it. Like it was a sweet book. It was, um, it was funny. I liked both of them as individuals. Um, like I like her, like, I think I would like her as a person. 
we share a love of Harry Potter and some nerdy <laughs> things. Um, uh, she just like, and she was very loving and things like that. Um, and I liked how she kind of took in all these other foster kids and all these animals and things like that. Um, I just wish that she would sort her stuff out for this super hot guy. Cause I also was just like jonesing for him so hard. Um, I'm like a definite red blooded female because all of the like tool belt construction worker stuff was just working for me on every level. So <laughs> sending you over the edge, the, yeah. um, <laughs> the, um, and also I kind of had a love hate relationship with her friends because I liked that she had this close relationship with all these friends, but I kind of was pissing me off that they were getting up in their business all the time. And, and sometimes totally, ruining things. Yeah, totally sabotaged her on her one, you know, makeout session with him. And it's like, gosh, you guys just leave her the frick alone. Yeah, and they were the ones that were like, you know. But yeah, I do. I liked their, like, group of friends. It feels like a real group of friends um, and, like, some people that I would like to hang out with, especially since the guys all are se- seemingly hot. So, apparently, you know, <laughs> sign me up. Um <laughs> We are familiar with San Francisco, so this made me miss San Francisco. I think I it got me thinking, Mom. Um, I appreciate everything you did for me in raising me, but I'm wondering if maybe my life and like child, like I don't have enough trauma in my life, um, <laughs> and maybe that's what's holding me back. In to the make you a romance department. novel heroine, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I, I had. Sorry, I made your life so easy for you. Yeah, I think this is why I'm always like the third wheel best friend. You know, like I'm that like plunky best friend in all the rom coms, um, <laughs> and not a romance series where the plunky best friend still gets her own book. You know, like a rom com where your book is coming, Ellen. Your book is coming. Yeah, thanks, thanks, thanks. <laughs> um, so I blame you. I'm not tortured enough. Thanks a lot. Uh, this one had double entendres through the roof. Yes. And they're funny. Yeah. We can get on board with that. Um, I feel like they both had room to grow, but we saw more of her growth through the book. Like, they kind of touched, she kind of touched on, um, you know, potential hangups that he might have. But he was like, I recognize that this is something that was a problem for me, but I'm over it. And, like, we didn't get to really see that as much as, like, him just say it. I would have liked to have seen more interaction, like with her, with his mother and her, with his aunt Sally and more. Yeah. The other thing is I was really surprised that they brought up. And I remember, I think that the, her ex-boyfriend was a thing in the first book. It's been a while since I've read the first book. Um, I was really surprised that they brought up this like abusive ex-boyfriend that he never got to go like all alpha male on. Um, cause usually that's like why you bring up abusive ex-boyfriends in a romance novel is so that the new, that the hero can like, you know, tell He didn't get to save them from Rory's abusive ex-boyfriend. Few ex, few abusive ex-boyfriends in this, which is not cool. So any other thoughts before I move on to my questions? Uh, no, bring on the questions. Okay. So this book is mainly comprised of internal conflicts for them as a couple. Uh, Do you have a preference when it comes to like external conflicts that are keeping people apart versus internal conflicts? Um, And what do you think is, or like, what do you think is the right balance for that? 
if there's an answer to that. Well, I guess my feelings are, I don't really care if it's internal, external, depending on how well-written it is. I did get really frustrated with this book and some of the things that were keeping them apart that I didn't see as, I saw them as non-issues. But um, when we read The Wall of Winnipeg, that book, that was all internal and it was all her internal issues. I mean, we didn't see his side of it. It was a, you know, one perspective. And, um, and, you know, I, I liked that. It was well-written and I, you know, I could understand it. And, and maybe it's harder, you know, when you know both sides and it's like, you know how both of them feel, but they don't know how both of them feel. And we've yeah, talked and about that Yeah, I think we before. talked about that when we talked about Wall of Winnipeg was, you know, if we had known, if we had known his side of it, it would have been a really frustrating book because it's like, <laughs> okay, you both like each other. Let's like move on and get this over with. Um, right. It's almost easier with, when you only know one perspective because then you... You know, you, you don't know what the other person is yeah, thinking, but when you know what they're them. both thinking, you're like, gosh, just get together already. You guys are ridiculous. Yeah. But really, I don't know what was holding her back because um, he was like perfect. That actually kind of reminds me, um, when I was watching Pride and Prejudice once, I was like, oh, Elizabeth Bennett, if only you knew what was going on in Mr. Darcy's mind. And that led me to writing <laughs> a fan fiction <laughs> Yeah, you did. <laughs> that was all about Elizabeth Bennett being able to read minds, which sounds weird, but I think it turned out pretty good. Um, it did turn out good. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so sometimes, like, you just want them to know what's going on. But, yeah. Yeah. It was making me a little nuts. But, um, and I love that he said he loved her first. I always like it when the guy falls first. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think, um, I think I don't... Uh, I like there to be some external conflict just because I think that that gives more drive to like the plot. Um, But I don't like it when the external conflicts are like so over the top and ridiculous that it's like, really like this now, like we just dealt with that and now we're dealing with this. Um, (laughs) I guess you see that more in some historical romances. I I haven't seen it too much in as many yeah, contemporary. Because I've read that's so kind many of almost like that's a bunch of external conflicts is almost in contemporary is almost like a genre unto itself because they have like romantic suspense, which um, I think kind of covers a lot more of that. Um, which maybe we'll have to have you read sometime. What was the probably. book we just? <laughs> I never remember the titles. Ellen always remembers the titles. Yeah. What was the book we just read about the guy who came back? from traveling he was a big celebrity and that was the wild in love yeah because that one yeah because it had like almost a ridiculous amount of external conflict and then it would yeah. keep like you, one thing would get fixed and then another crazy thing would happen and you're like oh my gosh seriously yeah um so yeah i think it, i'm like you and this is like i think always our answer but if it's written well like on either side i don't care but i think i like when there's a healthy, a healthy balance, you know, because they're always going to have something that's also keeping them apart internally. Um, even when it's mainly driven by external conflict, but you know, I like there to be a little See, bit. And I both. think in this one, there was a, um, some lost opportunities with the external conflicts and it yeah. just really focused on the internal conflicts yeah. to the point where it got almost like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, okay, so these two get busy pretty early on in this book and um, are getting busy like throughout most of it to the point where I was like, oh my gosh, my mother is reading this and she knows that I'm reading this. Embarrassing. Um, so do you think that that changes anything about the pacing or progression of the relationship? Um, about the pacing or progression of the relationship? Um. I will say, I feel like this is kind of your first contemporary that is more like this. And this happens, I think, more in contemporaries than it does in historicals. Where, you know, they can get, you know, because in historicals, if they're getting this busy this early on in the relationship, the guy is like, I'm duty-bound to propose to you. And then, you know, they're married. And that causes conflict in and of itself. Um, But I feel like in contemporaries, you know it makes sense that this happens more that, you know, they're, they're having sex and, um, but they're still like, uh, but is this an actual thing? You know, uh, yes, we're hot for each other and we've been doing it for a while now, but, but what well, I does love, that mean? I love that you were super embarrassed that yeah. <laughs> just cause I like it when you get uncomfortable and embarrassed. So that I liked that aspect of it, but, um, with this particular book, it was the intimacy that kept driving them together because they realized that they had a lot of chemistry together and yeah. neither one of them could, you know, translate that into any kind of emotional feelings for one another. So yeah, it, that was part of my frustration. It's like, you guys can't see that this is just more than sex for you guys. I mean, that's what they kept talking about. But Well, and both would... of them would say like, you know, like I'm really drawn to him in like a way that I've never been drawn to him or a girl before, you know. Um, so it's like, yeah, the doy. <laughs> You're in a romance novel. <laughs> Billy Idol gets it. <laughs> it's a wedding singer quote. That's, I'm surprised that we haven't had more instances where we're just quoting movies and we have to explain uh, what that is. Um, anyway, I just, this is kind of like your first contemporary, right? Where it's been like that, where... I've only read, well, I read the Wall of Winnipeg, those books, and then I read, um... The Penny, Penny Reed, Reed books. And Which so are both, is... like, they're both notoriously, like, slow burn romance right. authors, so... So, do you think that changes anything about the pacing or progression of the relationship? I think it, like, adds a different kink in the machine of, you know, how these two are going to make it to the end and fall in love. I think that, you know, it's, we're having sex and this is great. And like, we're really good at having sex with each other, but does it mean more than that? Which I think is real to well, a lot of relationships. And he kept putting her off for a while because he wanted to be sure that she was having sex with him for the right reasons and not just because, you know, she was depressed or because she was upset about something or because... Yeah. I mean, he, he, or she was drunk, or there was right. There was an instance right, where but he was, kept trying to confirm with her that this is what she yeah, wanted to do, like, and we're good, right? Time out. Time out. <laughs> and she just no, like had wanted to, to like, that in him. run her hands along his abs, which you know, <laughs> girl, I got I'm it. Sold. <laughs> it's like, yep, I'm sure. Let's do this. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I think I think the intimacy, you know, moved the story along. On, on that level. Yeah. And you have to look at the contemporaries different than the historicals because the contemporaries are, well, contemporary. I mean, there's obviously a different society 
has a different view of sex now than it did yeah, back then. Sure. My third final question is, um, what is it about Christmas that lends itself to romance, do you think? I think there are definitely more Christmas romance novels than there are, you know, like, even Valentine's Day. And that could just be because Christmas is a bigger deal in general than Valentine's Day, um, which I think is a nonsense holiday. But um, <laughs> It's a Hallmark holiday. Hallmark holiday. Uh, hey, but Hallmark... Love your movies. Thanks. Thanks, bros. Um, so what do you think it is about Christmas that lends itself to romance stories? Well, first of all, Christmas is not just a day. It's a season. So it, yeah. it covers like a, a span of time rather than, I mean, enough time that someone could meet and fall in love. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not just a, um, you know, day. Like Valentine's mm-hmm. Day is just a day. Um, so, and it's something that we start preparing for weeks in advance and, you know, goes through till... Getting in the spirit weeks in advance and... And because she owned a shop, so it, you know, affects her business, business. gets more busy and, you know, the and to be able to describe the decorations and, you know, everybody's in a good mood and... Yeah, like, in actuality, Christmas plays a pretty small part in this, like, plot-wise. It's a lot of, um, they talk a lot about how she decorates everything, you know, she brings him a tree at at the end, um, and, you know, they do some Christmas activities, but it's not like, you know, a plot where, like, a Hallmark movie plot where it's like, She's on her way to her fiance's house for Thanksgiving. He's on the way to his family's, but they meet up in the middle and get stuck at an airport or something like that. Right. You know, which is very much like that's going to happen at Christmas. So I just think it's, I think that there's just something about also the time of year where people are just like a little more open hearted maybe and are like. A little more, and I think also there's a lot of, um, I mean, I know speaking for myself as a singleton, um, that there's something about Christmas time that like makes you wish that for love and things like that more. And so I think that that makes people a little bit more open to it in general. So I also think that, um, writing about wintertime is, you know, when you're trying to it's cold outside and you want to be warm and toasty inside. And, you know, anytime she's outside, he needs to give her a coat or, you know, she needs to share his warmth or whatever. I think it's easier than if it's a hot sweltering summertime. It's not as fun to get. And maybe you're at a cabin together and like the roads get closed. Oh no. Yeah, that could happen. And, um, (laughs) (laughs) but, but I think, Writing romance in winter is more fun than writing romance in the summer when you're hot and sticky and sweaty. And But, you know, that's, that's a thing, too. <laughs> hot and sticky and sweaty. <laughs> By the way, um, you know, this might have added rooftop sex to a bucket list that I have somewhere in the back of my mind. <laughs> rooftop sex. Well, it depends on the roof. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you're, like, on a slanted, gabled roof. <laughs> it's not going to be as pleasant. <laughs> No kids, 
kids, that's not Santa up on the roof. <laughs> He's not that rhythmic. <laughs> I think I hear Santa moaning. <laughs> up on the house. <laughs> Well, I think mom's getting a rewritten Christmas carol for Christmas this year. Just kidding. That is a totally inappropriate family Christmas carol. <laughs> Only in our family. Okay. Any other thoughts on Trouble with Mistletoe? I have no more thoughts. I think I've yeah. shared all my Cl- thoughts. Closing thoughts are basically that, like, they frustrated me, but they were both likable enough and, um, like... Fun, the book was funny and um, that I was like I remained engaged and I thought it was a sweet and it definitely cute. left me wanting to read the rest of the series because now I want you know now I'm invested in all these friends and I yeah. want to know what happens with all the friends so I'll probably read um, the rest speaking of, of there's a novella that like follows this like right after and you can tell that they're setting it up it's um, Rory and the guy with the big Doberman I can't remember his name that like oh, they hint Max. at her having, yeah, Max. they hint at her having like history with this guy, well, um, and so he drives her to Tahoe in this novella. Oh, for and her. it's right. It kind of takes place at the same time as this book. As yeah, this so book. it takes place like right at the end of this book. Um, so I I might read that. Um, as but yeah, we... I'm invested. I want to know how because I like her friends and I want to know how they all turn out. Yeah, that's cute. Um, okay, so those are our thoughts on The Trouble with Mistletoe by Jill Shalvis. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play, and we would love to hear from you on our Facebook page, Goodreads group, or Twitter, which is at NotYourMomsRom, or you can email us at NotYourMomsRomanceBookClub at gmail.com. Um, so if you want to read along with us and email us your thoughts, or if you would like to suggest a book for us to read, we'd love to hear from you. So next time we are going to um, release an episode on Christmas Day for some reason, um, but Ooh. mainly it's because Mom and I are going to be in the same place um, for Christmas time, so it'll be easier for me to edit, which I'm excited about. Um, so it we're will going be our to... first episode that we actually record while we're in the same in the room together, same location. We're excited, um, and Santa might be bringing mom and ellen some new microphones for christmas so right santa santa might be (laughs) the santa Santa. shop at amazon (laughs) santa oh i know santa shops at amazon (laughs) um so next time on christmas day we're going to discuss marion's christmas wish by carla kelly um i've never read this author before but this book had some pretty great reviews so i'm excited it's a uh christmas regency romance so um and it was like the one that i could find that wasn't attached to like another series and wasn't a novella in the middle of some series so um so for now we're going to take a break and when we come back we'll be talking about why hillary clinton is wrong about romance novels so stay with us Hi everybody, Ellen here with your romance-adjacent pop culture recommendation for this episode. Um, I thought I would talk about the new Amazon Prime show called The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Um, It's created and written by the same um, woman who created Gilmore Girls and uh, Bunheads, if you like either one of those shows. 
Um, it's about a woman in the early 60s who um, her husband dreams of being a stand-up comic, but there's a catch. He's not very good at it. And um, when a series of events leads them to splitting up, she kind of decides that, you know, maybe she's been the funny one all along. And so it's kind of about her on this trek to um, become a stand-up comedian in the early 60s as a woman. Um, While there are some romantic entanglements that uh, start to take place in the show, it's mainly uh, just a really cool... Um, and funny and insightful and um, kind of sweet show about a woman in this time setting out to do something that is a little offbeat and different. And um, I just thought it was a really great show. There's beautiful costumes. Um, So if you're kind of looking for a new binge, I suggest checking that out. All the first season is available. So um, give it a watch and let me know what you think. All right. And we'll talk to you next time. And we're back to talk about that little incident with Hillary Clinton and the romance community that happened this past week. Um, If you're not aware of what happened, essentially in a recent interview with the Washington Post, Hillary Clinton was discussing men and women um, gaining these kind of abusive attitudes uh, from romance novels, saying... The whole romance novel industry is about women being grabbed and thrown on a horse and ridden off into the distance. Um, So both Lisa Kleypas and Maya uh, Rodale wrote amazing responses to this, and I encourage you to seek both of those out. Uh, They both talk about how uh, that that may have been the case with romance novels that were being written, you know, 30 or 40 years ago, but that the modern romance heroine is a very different breed. Um, I thought that this quote from Lisa Kleypas really summed up how I feel about the genre and the romance community. She says, Romance readers give a variety of reasons for why they love the genre. It's empowering. It's an escape. It explores the complexities of relationships in ways that cause them to reflect deeply on their own lives. Incidentally, they're the least cynical people you'll meet, and that makes them especially wonderful, necessary actually, in this day and age. It is never a romance novel if it condones or normalizes abuse or makes a woman less than she is. Um, And then later she says, Romance novels are about wholeness and the right of readers and all women to be accepted and loved for who they are, to achieve, to be heard, to be imperfect, to get back up on their feet after they've been knocked down. And then Maya Rodale's piece talks a lot about that the industry is run by women with women writers and women readers and that they have something for men as well. And as she says, it's a portrayal of masculinity where men can be strong, brave protectors without demeaning or assaulting other people. And they can talk about their feelings and that is what makes them hero material. Um, So mom, do you have thoughts on kind of how this went down? I have not read any of the old school romance novels because I didn't get Mm -hmm. into romances until like a year and a half ago. And um, I've only read romances that have been written within the past, within the recent history. But um, But you're aware of what you thought romance novels were like. Well, I thought they were just, you know, silly little novels about. I never really considered them books, though, about women being carried away and yeah you know, I just 
figured there was just a lot of making out. But, um, and there is, but I yeah. don't seem to mind it so much. <laughs> oh, yeah. but, but, um, I agree that first of all, it's a good thing. It's a, yeah, it's written by women for women. And mm-hmm. I think that's a plus. And so women aren't going to write about little, I mean, I can't think of any of these authors that I've read that think women are, you know, should be pushed around or should be, you know, mistreated or should be, uh, there are every now and then I've read some that I thought, oh, this is getting a little rapey sounding, but then it usually, you know, they do something to make it not sound that way. Yeah. Well, and if there's ever a character that is getting pushed around or, you know, abused in any way, like the whole point of the book is her like finding her voice or, um, you know, finding a way out of that situation and taking a stand for herself. And it's like, what's more feminist than that? Like then taking the power back in your life. And especially in these historical ones where women really were put down. I mean, that was a time yeah. when women were, uh, was it in the article by Lisa Kleypas, I think she was saying that, um, you know, back then it was back in a time when, you know, women didn't have a voice and they were told how they were supposed to behave and they were told what they were supposed to do. And and most of the heroines in these books are women that kind of overcome that and are their yeah. own person in in spite of all of that. And it's more, I mean, I haven't, I don't, I can't think of a book that I've read that where the woman is not uh, more feminist ish, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially for her time, you know, in the historicals, uh, than, than you would expect. I mean, or than a lot of people that I see out and about today. Yeah, for sure. And, um, in general, I think I posted a while ago in um, the Old School Romance Book Club Facebook group, um, just asking, because I see a lot of um, people talking about, and I think I've talked about this before, but um, there's some people that talk about, like, oh, men giving women grief for reading romance novels. But honestly, in my experience, I've gotten more flack for reading romance novels from women than I have from men. And most of it is either because they think it's porn or they think that it is, um, anti-feminist and they, cause they have these preconceived notions that these romance novels are fairy tales where girls swoon and they, and then she gets the guy, but they're not. I mean, I think especially like both of these articles say the modern romance novel is so much like concerned with having women who, um, you know, are setting, are setting off, you know, on their own journey and then they decide or they stumble upon, like they decide they want love and they go and get it or they stumble upon it and like make the journey in realizing that this is something that they can incorporate into their lives, you know? And, um, so I just, I get really frustrated with people that um, that talk about, and obviously a lot of the romance community does because of these two articles, but people that, that talk about the books being, just because they have women um, falling in love with men, or in some cases other women, <laughs> um, that, uh, that they think that they're anti-feminist just because of that, when I think that 
these books are some of the most like feminist books I've ever with the most feminist, you know, heroines I've ever encountered. So it's just frustrating. Well, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of modern books that I've read that maybe aren't romances and the, and you know, I'm trying to compare in my brain some of the um you know, heroines from some of these stories. And um yeah, the women in these books are stronger and usually come out on top where sometimes in some of these modern books that aren't romances they tend to you know they're depressing they're just and they aren't strong women and they don't always come out on top and I guess that people look at those as kind of more you know I don't know a certain kind of story and that these romances because there's always a happily ever after because we wouldn't tolerate a non-happily ever after (laughs) yeah but um that it's you know, fantasy or fairy tale or just a ridiculous way to look at life, but it's not a ridiculous way to look at life. It's a, it's a, an encouraging way to look at life. It's a hopeful way to look at life. It's not a depressing way to look at life. Yeah. And that, you know, women can still seek to like share their lives with somebody else and still be strong and feminist in the film community, just because I sort of work in that area um there's a lot of talk about um this mary sue complex in in media and how women are sometimes portrayed as like too perfect and too um that they're too perfect and get too many things right and just everything kind of works out too perfectly for them and uh by no by no motive, like no acting on their part. It just like kind of happens for them and everything's perfect in their lives. And I think, I can't remember who it was that pointed this out, but it's like in media, in most media, those are being written by men and made by men. And in romance, it's being written by women for women, you know, and produced by women. And so I think that that's where, I mean, in, in my when I was thinking about like possible heroines that are problematic, it's always heroines that are written by men. So yeah, get romance novels that are written by women and that they're the ones that are going to get your feminist heroines, right? Plus the girls always get to orgasm before the guys. So yeah. That's a (laughs) win-win. Feminism. And usually more than once. (laughs) Of course more than once. How dare you? So, <laughs> look um, at the bright side, ladies. <laughs> yeah. That, well, that's the other thing, too, is that I really, I've always liked about romance novels, you know, and this is specifically talking about romance novels between a man and a woman, but um, that they not only present, like, strong feminist heroines, heroines, but that feminism but feminism also in its truest sense where we are equals with men and the happily ever after is entering into kind of a partnership of equality with, you know, a guy and they present good examples of how like we can have that help happy, healthy and like progressive relationship still with a man. And always, even in the historicals, always that's, they push the, you know, we're not going to have a marriage where you tell me what to do. This is going to be a marriage where, you know, we discuss things and work things out together and 
So yeah. it's never just a you tell me what to do. And kind if of there's thing. ever a moment in those, even in those historicals, where it looks like the guy's going to try and tell the girl what to do, it's like, uh uh-uh, uh, that's not how this is going to work. Nope. <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> no, sir. So, yeah, I'll get, I'll step down from the soapbox, the ranting soapbox now. Um, any other thoughts on that, Mom? I feel like I just talked a lot. Well, <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's misconstrued by a lot of people. And I think there's things that have done damage to the romance novel are Fifty Shades of Grey, I think has done a lot of damage to the romance mm-hmm. novel. I think people think they're all, you know, women subjecting to men kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not read Fifty Shades of Grey or seen the movies, but I have. So, And you will not. <laughs> That's not going to be the one on the next one we read for the club. Just because I don't want you to know what I've read. So <laughs> they've made movies, Ellen, you know, that's true. They have. But, um, I think that's done some damage to the romance genre in that a lot of people think that that's kind of what they're all mm-hmm. about is that kind of stuff or that they're, you know, like the bodice strippers from the seventies and eighties where, you know, Fabio's on the cover and, yeah. you know, as much as the... we love Fabio, I think that like, <laughs> yeah, uh, we love Fabio. <laughs> yeah. Well, like the romance, the romance community, like in general loves Fabio, but I think that those kind of like dashed upon the rocks, you know, ripping each other's clothes off, um, you know, probably like set some wrong connotations for other people. So I think that a lot of people think that all romance novels are of that similar kind. And I haven't read anything that's Fifty Shades of Grey or, you know, bodice ripper kind of stuff. Well, I mean, there is usually a bodice that gets ripped. (laughs) And and it's mainly because I'm keeping you away from the the Fifty Shades genre. Because you're suggesting the books. There's more. I'm sure there are. I mean, I'm sure there are, but they aren't all like that. And to no. say that all, you know, the romance in general is all that way, um, I think that's done yeah. damage to the romance genre. Because yeah. I came into it thinking that. I mean, when yeah, I was teasing you, you about it back in yeah. the day. Yeah. Remember when I was talking I do about remember, getting Ellen. flack from more women than men? It's You were one I of do those remember. women. I don't know. I don't talk about it too much with too many people. I mean, I don't keep it from people, but I don't you know, go out there and tell everybody about that. I just read romance novels all the time, but truly it's women that, you know, laugh at me more than men just kind of roll their eyes. But yeah, you know, it's the women who are like, I can't believe that. Yeah. So romance is feminist. Get over it. Everybody, (laughs) including Hillary Clinton. But, but yeah, I just think, I just wish that people wouldn't make general statements about, the romance, especially like anybody who's talk who's saying these kinds of things about romance novels has never read a romance novel in their lives, like guaranteed. So that just is what gets me frustrated. So thanks for joining us. Um, again, if you would like to join us for Marion's Christmas Wish by Carla Kelly in two weeks, you can find us on Twitter at NotYourMomsRom or on Facebook or Goodreads or email us at NotYourMomsRomanceBookClub at gmail.com. All right. Thanks, Mom. Thank you, Ellen. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.